Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another big show coming up for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Rob Simpson, Toronto correspondent for National Hockey Now, will be joining us to talk about the Isles Series victory, preview Islanders versus Capitals, and talk about a little bit of a glimpse at life inside the Toronto bubble. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Mr. Christian Arnold. Big show coming up here. Remember, we are presented by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. Head on down to sample all their fine offerings in the tap room. Open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating. If you can't make it down, don't forget you can order all their great selections and merch at OysterBayBrewing.com with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y for 15% off your order. We're also sponsored by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Go there for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. And remember, you can check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com for all their great selections. Christian Arnold, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well, Sean. I'm doing well. How's everything on your end? Everything is great. If you're an Islander fan, I would assume that everything is great for you as well because the qualifying round is over, ladies and gentlemen, and the Islanders have advanced. They defeated the Florida Panthers three games to one. The Islanders are the kings of noon. <laughs> They've proven this week. Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, two 12 noon games. That's where we left off after the Game 1 win that we covered last week. Uh, they end up playing textbook Barry Trotz Islander hockey, and they move on to the official playoffs here to meet the Washington Capitals, who defeated the Bruins this afternoon. They will play them in Round 1 for a best-of-seven, and the Trotz revenge plot. <laughs> what do you say, C.A.? Well, I think Barry would really take issue to you saying the Trotz revenge plot. But yes, it should be a very exciting, <laughs> uh, formidable series for both the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And obviously just a uh, a really great series out of the New York Islanders yeah. in the qualifying round of the postseason, whatever you want to call it, the playoffs, postseason, tournament, whatever the case may be. But I mean, top to bottom, aside from Game 3, even though there was really only few and far between mistakes in game three that really cost them. The Islanders played lights out for the four-game series against the uh, against the uh, Panthers. Yeah, they pretty much ran the table, and we're going to get into the games a little bit. We'll touch on some of the finer details that, that happened in those games, but everybody was a little weary yes. about where this team was going to be coming off of the, the pause and having that seven-game losing streak. It's been well-publicized. We've talked about it here, and everybody wanted to know what Islander team we were going to see once they got back to games here, and look, we talked about how, they, how they're healthy. They got their main guys back. You know, you talk about Pellick, you talk about Sezikis, and you, you have this well-oiled machine coming back that, you know, was talked about in the early going, that first quarter of the season when they were just winning game after game, going, after, going on that big run. And it looks like that's more of the team 
that we saw in this series than maybe the one that might have made you nervous towards the end of the, the regular season. So a lot of a lot of things to feel good about here for the Islanders heading into a very tough series with the Washington Capitals. Absolutely. I mean, they got, as Barry Trott said, that, you know, they got their swagger, swagger back. That was the New York Islanders team that we saw in October and November, um, you know, that was going out there and winning all these games in different ways and different styles. But basically staying within the Barry Trot system. And that's what you saw in all four games against the Florida Panthers. Maybe game three is one, the one where they got away from it the most. And even then, you look at their five-on-five play. I mean, they were still dominant yeah, they, against they the Panthers. they didn't really. They really didn't. Yeah. They played their game. It was just some – you had three brain farts all in one game that just ended up costing them. And and the, the tail of the tape as far as the Panthers go and, and what made them mildly successful in that series, it was the power play. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders paid dearly for those brain farts that I'm talking about in that game three where, you know, they took some unnecessary penalties. They, they go to the box and, and they paid for it. But outside of that, I mean, they really they really played great Islander hockey. I mean, we'll see how that stacks up against a, a tougher Washington Capitals team, but... A lot to like coming out of those four games against Florida. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if you look at the way the Islanders played, like I said, the five-on-five game was tremendous. Um, you really saw all four lines rolling, and you saw the defense step up in a lot of big situations too. They played a great defensive game for the better part of the 60 minutes in each of those four contests. So, I mean, you have to really be impressed with what you saw from the Islanders too, uh, and that includes Semyon Farlamov, who looked, who looked well. Um, you know, he played really well for the Islanders, and I mean, despite the fact that he didn't get a ton of shots uh, on him in those first couple games, he, he did great when the Islanders needed to, and in that, kind of bringing that up as well, the fact that the Islanders held that team to at most 28 shots uh, in each of those games. I think the most was the 28 shots in a few of those games, but really they kept them under the average number of shots that the Panthers had been generating during the regular season, which was somewhere around 32. So that's an impressive feat nonetheless as well for the Islanders sure. because that's such a that's such a big thing. You control the number of shots they're getting on net, and you control the pace of the game. And the Islanders, they don't put a ton of shots on net either, but they were taking advantage of those opportunities that they were getting. They were finding ways to put the puck in the back of the net. They were finding ways to really generate offensive chances off that transition game. We saw it a number of times. I mean, I think just from game four, a great example of that was the Matt Barzal goal where – you know, a defensive effort in one side of the puck set, you know, they moved the puck the other way and Matt Barzal sprung for a breakaway goal there, um, which really put the icing on the cake for the Islanders in the, in the third period. So that was exactly the style that you need to see. And it's a great response game too. I mean, we can say that the Islanders didn't play terribly in game three, but no one was happy in that locker room about what happened in that game. And they came back and they responded with the right sense of urgency, the right sense of desperation uh, and the right mentality for it. Right, and you, you bring up a good point because, look, you, you maybe you get a younger team here, and I kind of alluded to this last week, right? You talk about the age. People were a little <laughs> up in arms about the fact that Which the Which I'll never understand. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. But, again, I'm going to use that as a positive for this team is that you have a number of guys on this roster that they've been through the ringer in playoff hockey. And, you know, some guys have had great success, some guys with moderate success, but they've they've been through it. And they they understand the mentality that you have to have in playoff hockey. And it's a little different in a five-game series. Obviously, you know, the stakes are a little higher because things can happen a lot quicker. But even when things didn't go their way, this team bounced back and they just kept calm, cool, and collected. And they remained in control, essentially, for the vast majority of the series. And, you know, it, it really wasn't much of a... 
I, I won't say the Florida Panthers didn't give them a you know a test, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a struggle in the in the sense that they they were able to play their game and the the Panthers kind of fell victim to the Islanders brand of <laughs> yes. hockey right and and the Islanders came out on top because they were able to dictate play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at. I think one of the biggest things, too, is you look at the number of, of who was scoring for the Florida Panthers and who wasn't scoring. And, I mean, there were a lot of guys that weren't scoring, and there were a lot of guys that weren't able to put shots on net. I right. mean, you look at who found the back of the net during this series. One guy in particular. Well, and in one very particular circumstance as well. And I think that's a great example because you're obviously talking about Mike Hoffman. Yes. Um, whose goals were limited to power play goals during the games game two, two through three, four. And four. Yeah. So I, I think that's a great indication of just how well the Islanders shut down the Florida offense. I mean, again, that's a Florida offense that is one of the best in the National Hockey League. Seventh overall, I believe. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And so they're one of the best in the National Hockey League. They have to, the Islanders will see that again when they see the Washington Capitals in the first yeah. round. But when it looks at the Florida Panthers, the fact that Mike Hoffman, who basically epitomizes the secondary scoring for the Panthers, was held to just three goals in these Special circumstances, I think, shows a lot. When you look at the fact that Barkov, Huberdeau, um, were limited to such a small, finite amount of shots and goals during the series, that goes to show how well the Islanders' defense did in shutting down that high-powered offense that the Florida Panthers have. I mean, they just weren't getting a ton of luck. I know we talked about it after Game 1, but there really wasn't a, a, a sense in that game, at least in my mind, of any point in time where I was like, all right, I'm getting a little nervous now because right. you think the Panthers are going to push back. Game two was a little bit of a different story. The Islanders really had to weather the storm for the first five, ten minutes of that game. Sure. And then they really started to establish where they wanted to wanted to be. And then game four was absolutely just the Islanders. Again, they had to took a couple minutes to really establish where they needed to be. And then they just ran with the ball. I mean, they looked like the Islanders team that you saw in game one. Um, and, and at the better part of the regular season for that t- for that Islanders team. So, I mean, they just got packed to the, the Barry, Barry Trot style of hockey that the Islanders play and that the Islanders are so, so successful with. Yeah, and I think that has to give fans a little more confidence going into this next series that we're eventually going to talk about. Obviously, the Capitals are going to be a tougher task here. You know, they beat the Bruins today. They solidify that three overall seed. And, you know, they have more weapons across the board. They're They're a deeper team. And look, it's going to be a taller task, but you look at what the Islanders did against Florida and you can kind of say to yourself, okay, we know what kind of Islander team we have now in this return to play. We saw what they did in the exhibition game versus the Rangers. and They continued that through the series against the Panthers. They're confident. They're calm. I'm going to keep repeating these words here, but it's important because that's the type of game that these guys have to play. They're not. They're not gonna. You know, razzle dazzle. They're not gonna be flashy no. through any of these playoffs. However <laughs> far they go, it's. <laughs> you know, there's not gonna be too many highlight real goals. You know, I mean, look, we everybody celebrated a, a goal off of the inside of Bobrovsky's, you know, leg in in Game Four. Right? But I think that was just so indicative of how hot. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier has been during the season because he's just throwing the puck at the net and right. it's finding ways to go in. And so I think that really epitomized just how successful Anthony Beauvillier had been during the four-game set there. Sure, but the point being is that I don't think, even though the task gets taller here against the Capitals, I don't see this team being intimidated by a tougher Washington Capitals team. You, you see Johnny Boychuk going out with the injury in Game 1. Andy Green comes in you know, completely seamlessly replaces him in the, in the defensive lineup. And there's been some good news. Apparently, Johnny Boyshuk is doing better. He did practice today. 
being there you Sunday. Go. He practiced today for the first time, so that was that was good news. So there could be an indication that he you could be ready for game one, whenever that is against the Capitals. Yeah, and what a benefit that the Islanders get through these four games against the Panthers healthy now that Boychuk looks like he's going to be back. So once again, you get this this deep squad, maybe not scoring deep, but deep squad that are going to be ready for the Capitals. I mean, think about the the last time the Islanders played the Capitals in the playoffs, right? Look at the defensemen they had rolling out in that series when they were going through guys like Donovan and, dare I say, Griffin Reinhardt. Right. These are guys that had to step in. Even a, a green Scott Mayfield at the time, he wasn't ready back then. That's right. You had these young rookies that just weren't ready for playoff hockey because you had guys like Wisniewski and whatnot getting hurt during that series, Tom Wilson. And, <laughs> and and, but now they're 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 ready to go here with a full squad, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk more about that, but folks, right now we have to break because Rob Simpson's going to be joining us in a little while. So thanks so much for joining us here at Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the crisp Barn Rocker, smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the tap room is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want a place in order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. the ads now let's get back to hockey night in new york with sean cuthbert and christian arnold welcome back to the program ladies and gentlemen joining us right now national hockey now toronto correspondent rob simpson is joining us rob thank you so much for joining us how are you sir Christian and Sean, how are you? Hockey coming up for the Islanders. Yes, yes. The, the <laughs> saga continues here for the New York Islanders. Big series win here, qualifying round series for the New York Islanders. They take it 
three games to one. Let's start right off the bat with that, Rob, and let's just get your assessment on how the Islanders performed in that series, what you took from that, and you know, maybe just leading into this, this tougher series coming up against the, the Washington Capitals. Well, first of all, they were helped out a little bit by the Panthers. It was the Florida Panthers being the Florida Panthers. So you had uh, <laughs> kind of an, an inconsistent Bobrovsky. You had a discombobulated decor. You had a disaster in Mike Matheson in the first two games. I mean, on paper, this team should I mean, look at the team on paper, and they should be so much better than they are. But there just seems yeah. to be this this pall over this team, and a it's hard to explain. Of course, part of that is the Islanders. They're pretty relentless. They put a lot of pressure on other clubs. Florida got in a lot of penalty trouble in that first game, and we saw that for various stretches. So credit the Islanders for maybe putting them in the in the funk. Um, you know, it's just a textbook kind of execution by Barry Trotz's team, three games. Um, and you knew they were going to bury him in the third one. There was simply no motivation left for Florida. And the Islanders had all the momentum, and, and they had balanced scoring. I mean – they put together some some nice hard work in the offensive zone from a lot of different guys. Even when the top line wasn't clicking, they were getting plenty of help. Hey, Rob, it's Christian. First of all, great to finally put a voice to the name that we've been emailing back and forth all week to. Um, but from your perspective, <laughs> in the last uh, couple games you got to see there, what was it, I think, especially with the special teams where it really came down to uh, being the X factor for both of these teams. What was it about the Islanders on the penalty kill, especially in that game four, that they were really able to be successful against the, the Florida Panthers? Well, you know, it all starts with entry, and Florida was just having a hard time transitioning to the neutral zone and gaining entry. I, I mean, I, I don't really remember anything to sustain. The Islanders' PK unit. And, and then they capitalized, you know, they, when they could on the power play or when they had a couple of different opportunities on the power play, um, they cashed in. Uh, you know, Brock Nelson had that one in the in the 5-1 game um, in the second period. They, they actually, Mike Hoffman scored a power play goal for Florida there, but I think that was it in the series. So um, just kind of the same thing as what we saw five on five. It's just the Islanders won puck battles, Islanders controlled zone, Islanders controlled um, uh, neutral zone and transition. For sure, Rob. And you, you had a, an interesting focus on a couple of players here over at National Hockey Now. You picked a couple of captains that have been playing in this bubble situation, one of which was Anders Lee. And you kind of did a shift-by-shift shift coverage of him. Uh, just just touch a little bit on that. And, and I guess what you saw out of the, the Islanders captain, did he give enough in this series? I know he didn't really put too many points on the board, if any. Um, but did he kind of contribute to this series win, or do you, do you want to see more from him as they go into this next series against the Capitals? Well, I think everyone would like to see it a little more offensively. I mean, this is a guy that's had four consecutive 20-goal seasons, 20-plus goals, 30-plus, you know, on a couple of occasions. Um, but he was a big factor in 5-1. He helped bury the Panthers, there's no doubt. He had great opportunities, probably a little bit snake bit because he could have scored. He might have had, he could have had a hat trick if he'd cashed in on all his opportunities in that third game. Um, they, they weren't a factor. I think they would. They had a grand total of two shots in game one and got away with the victory and everybody was saying well we we need to see a little bit more out of this top line obviously and then Everly strikes for a couple in game two they piled up shots I think they went from two shots in game one to 12 shots in game two and then ended up with uh I think 11 in uh in game three five of them for Anders Lee and that's what, kind of what I was talking about he had a lot of chances so and he was relentless on the four check 
I, I think they just stuck to their game, did what they had to do. He's a workhorse. I mean, the other guys on the line have more talent than he does. He's that nice kind of, a, he balances it out. He cashes in on occasion, but he's the, he's kind of the body going to work. And it was, you know, while logging every shift, doing a shift diary, that was kind of the main description that kept popping up was, you know, him battling behind the net, him using his body in front of the net, creating screens and creating traffic. And I, I think he played a very fine game three. Didn't win necessarily as many draws as he would have liked, but otherwise he was an excellent player. Talking with Rob Simpson, uh, the Toronto correspondent for National Hockey. Now you can follow his coverage of the playoffs. He's up in the Toronto bubble, live in the Scotiabank Arena. You can follow him, uh, follow all his coverage over at nyhockeynow.com. Obviously, I'm the editor-in-chief over there. He's been giving us some really great stuff. And, Rob, I wanted to ask you about the depth that the Islanders had. And I was going to ask about the defense, but you, you mentioned the, the the draws that the Islanders were taking, in particular Anders Lee. Um, but the fact that the Islanders had so many so much center depth this, this series too, it seemed like uh, it, it really helped them along the way, especially I think, um, you know, there's a lot of notes about uh, Pajot and how successful he was in the face-off dot. Just if you could kind of give us a little insight from your perspective where you're sitting, just how crucial some of those, the, the fact that they had so many guys that could take face-offs and be successful in the face-off circle really helped them down the stretch in the series. Yeah, I mean, Trotsky's pretty routine with his draws. You know, top line goes out in the offensive, like a lot of coaches, and then certain guys take the the D zone draws. And then depending on where things are in the neutral zone, you'll mix it up. Pajot just 40% in that final game, but uh, he won a couple of big ones. And oddly enough, I was, I, I call it, I called myself the guest guesser when it came to us, <laughs> making, predict, us making predictions in that first, uh, in the qualifying rounds. Cause I was a, just abysmal out West. Uh, got a couple, got a couple things right in the East, which one of which was the Panthers. I did, or I'm sorry, it was the Islanders. I had the Islanders and I had Pajot as my key guy. So I was pretty happy with that because he did yeah. step up and actually showed up and played well. And they needed him to, um, you mentioned his draws, but just adding a little offensive spark. This is a streaky guy. He was very huge moments with the Ottawa senators when that team made the real unexpected run to the conference finals a few years back. Um, uh, Barzell being Barzell, Brock Nelson, uh, and Sezakis is a, is a grinder and a, and a physical player. I mean, it's, a, it's pretty strong up the middle, whether or not they're winning draws or not, because they're the type of team that if you lose a face off in the, in the, offensive zone they'll go they'll send two guys to the end boards and, and get the puck back <laughs> so right, yeah um yeah i mean that's that's islanders hockey it, it was kind of funny watching this um this caps bruins game and thinking about okay you win you get this you lose you get that and it's the islanders and the canes those are two teams that aren't going to blow you out of the water offensively i mean most of their talent lies on their top line respectively but they're relentless teams that puck pressure uh, and they go north-south and transition very quickly. So kind of pick your poison, similar genres, if you will, um, if you're watching. But um, the Islanders will bring it. This is going to be uh, – this will be fun. And now you got the Trots taking on his old Stanley Cup team, um, which is going to make it fun. And they might be getting Johnny Boychuk back because he was skating, I guess, today. That's right. Uh, Rob, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I do want to look ahead towards the next series. And I think one of the interesting things, uh, at least from some of the stuff that I was reading, was that it seemed like both the media in Boston and Washington was kind of leaning towards they wanted the Islanders and not the 
uh, Carolina Hurricanes, Dave. which I found kind of interesting considering that those, as you were alluding to, both of those teams are, are very, very talented squads that really give even the best teams in the league that fits. Um, I, I mean, just from your perspective, you, you've been up there, you've seen these games live, uh, like kind of what you were alluding to before, picking your poison, just, I mean, how tough of a matchup is this going to be for the Capitals? Uh, it'll be a tough matchup. I see where the Canes, you know, they're kind of the flavor of the week that's lasted an entire year because, you know, they made the run last year for three rounds. Um, and it's basically just effort. Effort, effort, effort. It's it's the Brindamore and the boys type thing, and uh, and that that the forwards have gotten that much more experience and, and talent. Like you know, Sebastian Otto is a legitimate star. Andrei Svechnikov is is coming into his own. Um, Vince Trocheck, I loved him when he was with the Panthers. He's probably happy not to be playing there anymore. <laughs> and then and, and then you got Justin Williams and, and Jordan Stahl usually on that third line. What what I would you know, most important position on the ice, though, if I had to pick one of the two teams to go against, I I like Varley over hmm. Peter Mrazek and James Reimer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would just, you know, there's a little more, more strength there. But, I, I mean, in terms of work ethic and, and puck pressure and all that stuff, I think there's similar teams that way. I think you're getting your hands full with the Islanders. I think you're getting your hands full with the Canes. In terms of the Caps, though, I really like them. I, I like them coming in. I, I mean, I like the top seeds in this Eastern Conference. Boston's a little bit of a puzzle right now. Tampa is phenomenal, but now Victor Hedman might be hurt. Right. So if the, if the Caps get John Carlson back, which is expected, I think uh, they're, they're super dangerous. Gudis is another question mark. Lars Eller, just had, his wife just had a baby. He's going to finish up. Um, his quarantine here shortly and should be available. So he's a big part of the 2018 Stanley cup. So they will be a hand, handful for the Islanders. There's no doubt about it. And if they're a healthy roster, um, that probably makes, it might make them the favorite uh, in the East just because the, the Victor Hedman, I don't know if people realize just how big a loss that would be. If he can't go, I don't know if he snapped his ankle. I don't think so. He yeah. kept skating around. So maybe it's a high ankle sprain, which is, which can be horrible. Right. For sure. Well, well, let's scout the Caps a little bit here, particularly what they've done since this return to play came back. You're up there in Toronto. You've seen them in this round robin. What What's going to scare the Islanders here, and, and what's going to potentially be something that the Islanders can attack to maybe you know end up victorious in this series against the Caps? What did you see in these three games they played in the round robin? Well, they're just going to, the Islanders are just going to have to chip it. They're going to have to get it deep. It's going to be Lee in the top line and other guys throughout the lineup just getting the defenseman to turn and then pound them. I mean, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to out talent them. You're not going to out skate them. You're going to out grind them. You're going to have to forecheck the hell out of them. Um, stay out of the penalty box. I mean, it's a pretty standard list of things. If you're a less talented team that you need to take care of against a more talented team. Sure. Um, this is, this team's a couple years removed from the Stanley cup. Uh, looks like they're going to be healthy. Um, you can't really judge a whole lot from this little silly, ridiculous seating thing. I mean, today's game was a pond hockey game. You know, it, it, it could have been January, you know, 1998 on a pond somewhere in Northern Ontario. That's, that was basically what that game was today. Uh, a very fancy pond hockey game. Boston's Boston was disinterested. Washington was, I think there were two hits in the game. I mean, I'm sure statistically officially there were more, but, 
it was it was pretty patty cake. It was like, let's get this over and get the hell out of here. Um, do you want to play the Canes or the Elders? You know, I don't care. Um, <laughs> re- really, seriously, like Boston, such a disinterest. And, and again, I mean, I, John Carlson, if it meant anything, probably would have played today. But it didn't. It really didn't mean anything. So it's these guys were just they were scrimmaging. They're getting their legs. They're working on various things. They're working on their power play. They're working on whatever they are, the breakouts, yada, yada, yada. And now they'll be ready to go when they take out the Islanders. And Boston, unless this, there's something more to this, um, they should be ready to start their series. But I think the Capitals be, will be geared up, and, and the Islanders are going to have everything they can handle. They're going to have to play Islanders hockey, and they're going to have to stay out of the penalty box. Talking with Rob Simpson, he's the Toronto correspondent for National Hockey Now and providing a lot of great coverage over at nyihockeynow.com. And Rob, you're up in Toronto. You've been in Scotiabank Arena. You've been uh, able to see these games in person, which is a rarity for a lot of hockey fans, a lot of hockey journalists. And I wanted to know what that experience has been like because, I mean, as reporters, we're sort of used to seeing – uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, seeing the arenas empty, seeing practices with just you know team staff and, and media there. But what has this experience been like watching these games in an empty arena with uh, the league doing its best to try and, and make up for the lack of fans there? Well, the, first of all, from a media standpoint, some had complained and you know writers from various places had whined about you know not being able to their access, but for this to be successful, like you're seeing the disaster that's major league baseball. Oh, yeah. Obviously it's, it's harder for them because they're flying around. It's regular season. They got to go here. They got to go there. It's, it's impossible. This is a bubble situation. I don't mind. I mean, my favorite, the best part of this game, and I've been in it for a long, long time and have been, you know, with teams, traveling with teams, been league situation, working for the league, doing coverage. The best part of it is, is the camaraderie, whether you're a player, whether you're media, whether you're staff, whether you're coaches, whatever it is, officials. It's kind of getting to see your pals from the different cities around the league and all the camaraderie, all that good stuff. So that it does suck. You know, that that's kind of the best part of the game and you don't get to experience it. Yeah. But for this to be successful, I don't have a problem with it whatsoever because I don't, I don't want to go out to dinner one night here in the neighborhood and then go down and, and – you know, find out that I've carried something from somebody else and walk up to a player. You know, I, I get it. And I don't have any problem with having, there's the hub and there's the bubble and the players and the coaches and the staffs are in the bubble. And then the hub is obviously Toronto or Edmonton. And, you know, the rest of us are in the hub, not in the bubble. We're allowed in the building. It, it's, it's bizarre because honestly, there's probably for most of the games that aren't, Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens, there's probably seven or eight of us in the entire upper bowl. Above us, the press box, press box is being utilized by the league. So they're up there in their masks. And then there's, you know, a smattering of people downstairs also that are allowed, that are hub people. Uh, I'm sorry, that are bubble people that work for organizations or the league. But in terms of actual active media, there's a handful of us um, sitting up there spread 25 to 40 feet apart uh, at our own little desks. And uh, they they have the simulated crowd noise. They have the music pumping. It was too loud originally, but they toned it down, so it's just it's very manageable. All right, that's good um, at least. <laughs> but, but, it, but, it's just, but it's just weird. I mean, you know, but that's the, it's the word everybody's used that's attended these things. It, it is a little weird, but 
to, uh, you know, Bill Belichick said it and 75,000 people have used it ever since. Uh, it is what it is. Um, it's still really intense for the most part playoff hockey in terms of the, uh, some of the teams playing in the qualifying round, the, the seeds were, were not much in terms of intensity. Right, and Rob, the, that actually kind of leads into the last one I wanted to, to leave you with here, is that there was a lot of questions coming into this obviously very unique situation, this whole return to play. I mean, hats off to the NHL for pulling it off and even making it happen. But I think a lot of people were wondering just you know, what kind of hockey we were going to see. So you being up there, you're seeing all these these games in the flesh. Uh, how has the quality of hockey looked to you? They have the short training camp. They, they get the round robin and the qualifying round going. Has this been, you know, playoff quality hockey, or, is, or has it been a little different because of the, you know, very unique situation that it is? Again, it's been, it's been shinny in the seed games because they didn't really want to kill themselves for seeds. Um, so, no. Uh, and then in terms of the qualifying series, it's mostly been playoff hockey. Okay. Uh, you know, forget the, forget the Florida Panthers, the Islanders were going hard. This Montreal, or or should I say, you know, Montreal and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's a bit of a enigma or a little mysterious right now, but Mm. that was great for Montreal. The fans appear very excited. Montreal, uh, or should I say Toronto and Columbus has been very intense. Uh, and they're playing the deciding game right now in the second period, like ending in about 20 seconds. So nobody's missing anything. Um, that's been, that's been a really, really good series, crazy series and oh, yeah. a, uh, and a good game tonight. But I, I, you know, I don't want people, this is, this all happened because we didn't complete the regular season, you know, and you had right. some teams playing more teams than others games than others. Yada. So I get it. It's fine. But I don't want to hear talk about let's ooh let's add this next year and do this forever. No, <laughs> right. let's go back. Let's go back to the greatest, most ferocious, difficult thing in all of sports: the four rounds, best of seven. Yeah. Work your ass off, win a Stanley Cup. We don't need to add a game. We don't need to add two games. You know, we don't need to add, you know qualifying things ending in a shootout. Forget it. Um, so again, we had to deal with it this year. We dealt with it. We're moving. We're starting the playoffs in a couple of days. Fantastic. Let's not ever have to do this again, I hope. Well, Rob, fantastic stuff. Really appreciate your time tonight. And uh, looking forward to more of your coverage up there in Toronto. So thanks so much for joining us tonight. Pleasure, gentlemen. Christian, Sean, we'll be talking to you. And uh, go Islanders. Good luck to the boys uh, this week because it's going uh, to be an uphill battle. But again, if they stick to Islanders hockey and play disciplined, they can win this series. Love it. All right. Thanks so much, Rob. Take care. All right, folks. That was Mr. Rob Simpson, Toronto correspondent for National Hockey. Now up in the bubble, up in Scotiabank Arena. Christian, great stuff. It's nice to get a little perspective there from somebody who's who's actually there. And interesting to me, which I just learned, I, I was curious, you know, could the people in the building hear the crowd noise? <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the simulated true. crowd noise? But I guess the answer is yes. So kind of strange, especially when you hear him say that, what, you got eight people in the upper yeah. bowl there all yeah. spread out, and then all of a sudden you just hear this fake crowd noise filtered in when the, when the place is just empty. Well, look, I guess, you know, they're trying to make up for the experience as best as they can. And, I mean, I really, I'm, I'm assuming that's more for the players' benefit than anyone else because it, 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 And the least, audience. Well, oh, as far well, as the in-game yeah, in the in the arena, yeah, yeah. Arena, um, right. personnel, I think that's more for the, for the players because it, it brings a sense of normalcy. It brings a sense of, hey, like, 
you know, we can talk and chirp a little bit. And it's not going to be picked up on Mike or Barry and, you know, whoever's the other coaches can can talk and strategize without and almost a reminder that, hey, even though they're not in the building there, your fans are watching you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably been more eyes on the NHL than there's ever been in a long time, even during the Stanley Cup playoffs, just because of the circumstances, just because that, quite frankly, for for a lot of people, there's not much else to do or watch on television. Right. I mean, you can only rewatch the same show on Netflix 30 times at this point. So (laughs) Netflix is a bottomless pit. Even if (laughs) it's true. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it, but even if you're not the biggest hockey fan, I mean, just having live sports back on is is, is an exciting endeavor. Um, but yeah, I mean, the presentation's been great, and I mean, even it is fascinating to hear from someone who's been inside the arena, yeah, who's been in there and been able to really um, bring us a little bit bit a bit of a better picture of how the experience is for the few that actually get to see this in person, right? And you get some of those questions answered coming into this where very legitimately people were wondering how, you know, teams as a whole, but also players individually, how they were going to handle this circumstance. The fact that it's, you know, just kind of scrapped together here and and not to take anything away from the NHL, but, but just, you know, this kind of almost last ditch effort at just having an end to the season. They, they make it happen. There's no fans in the stand and, in the stands and you and you get an answer here from Rob, you know, saying yeah, there were some teams that just didn't look like they were in it. Yeah, I mean the round robin, I'm sure it was kind of tough to get into yeah. that mindset. Because yeah, there's there's a safety net. It doesn't matter. You lose, you're still you're still playing. It doesn't right. make a difference. I mean, yeah, and for those teams, I'm sure they're like, all right, whatever, we'll take you know, if you're if you're the Capitals, fine, we'll play the Islanders, fine, we'll play Carolina. I did find it fascinating though that almost every Boston writer decided that the Islanders were the easier opponent to play against the between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. I am not surprised by that, and I don't necessarily disagree. Because you look at what Carolina did to the Islanders last year, and it's hard to argue. Now, does that mean that I, I don't think the Islanders could have given Boston a good series? No, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I Do I think that they can give the Caps a good series? Absolutely, and, and Rob supports that as well. Right. We didn't get an official prediction, but <laughs> it sounds like he's leaning Caps, but he, he does believe that the Islanders are good enough to win that series, and, and I'm right there too. And, and, and one of the most fascinating factors that we've kind of touched on already here is that injuries really aren't playing into it. You know, like, you know, he mentions Hedman, and there's there are guys that are going down here and there. I mean, obviously the Jets, you look at what happened to them. Yeah. You know, losing <laughs> Shifley and, and, and um, what's, his, what's his face? Patrick Line. <laughs> I lost his name there for a second. I mean, that was devastating. But for the most part, or at least as it particularly goes with the Islanders and the Caps, you got two essentially healthy teams. You know, Rob mentioned that Carlson looks like he's going to be ready to go right. for game one. So you're getting their both teams are going to be able to put their best foot forward roster wise, and I really like the Islanders' chances in that case. A- am I ready to say they're a favorite? We'll see. We'll, we'll talk well, about that before the show's well, over. Let but. me just go back to what the point I was getting at, and I guess I guess the point I was where I was going with that with that comment was not the fact that I I because I agree I don't think the Islanders would want a part of the Boston Bruins. I don't think they match up right. well in that series, but I think. And maybe this this is just the the problem when you're focus, hyper-focused on one team and you kind of have a more general view of the rest of the league. But when you look at the Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes, I mean, yes, the Hurricanes have a lot more offensive talent. But mm-hmm. theoret- theoretically, they're, they played essentially the same game. 
Um, you know, the yeah, style's they, not that different. So, And they were right in the same spot as far as standings right. go. So I, I, went either way. I did find that a little perplexing that, all you know, the Islanders were the one that they wanted and they thought that, you know, we'll beat them pretty easily. But but that's neither <laughs> well, here nor well, there. Well, can I, can I be one of those, like, downtrodden Islander observers <laughs> for a second and just say that that's typically what the media is going to, you know, the, the side that they're going to take anyway? Well, I mean, I, I but that's where I was going with the idea yeah. that you, pro- you kind of get lost in your own little bubble sort of to speak when you're covering a particular team you don't necessarily have the most in-depth view necessarily of every other team and mm-hmm. and in fairness the islanders where they were in the in the end of the regular season of course the bruins decimated the islanders on um but it's just a night. tough matchup yeah for the isles it, it has been for the last few years you but know. it was just it was just an interesting thing across the board there were like three or four stories to you know, the boston globe nbc sports up in boston yeah uh nine, islander <laughs> fans come to expect that I, it, it was they just really an interesting. Op- I just thought. I, I mean, I remember 2016. I, I remember most of the pundits picked Florida in that series, and maybe rightfully so. You oh, know, I mean, you, the you listen to what had, George Richards had to say a couple uh, weeks ago, and yeah, they were probably the better team. Yeah. But like, again, no, Islanders, the Islanders just, had no business winning that series. They had no business <laughs> winning that series. I'm a hundred percent with them. But they did. But they did. No, I'm going to break my computer here. I'm so fired up. But no, but yeah, no, I, in that situation, yes, I agree. Yeah. I just I just found it a little confusing just because the Hurricanes and the Islanders are very similar in a lot of ways. So the idea that one team is an easier, easier opponent than the other sure. is just, I think it's also playing with fire. Because now, now, basically, you've said to the Hurricanes, and you've, I mean, not you, not the team specifically, but the reporters up there have said, yeah. we have no faith that you're, you know, the Bruins are going to win, or if they played the Islanders, we have no faith that the Islanders would be. And them. you know what? From an Islander perspective, good. It's just another chip on your shoulder. You know, if you have the Caps and the Bruins and their media saying, oh, they'd rather play the, you know, the Islanders and the Hurricanes, that's just another element of motivation for these guys. These are, you know, look, all you guys following this team, you know that these guys play with a lot of pride and they believe in themselves. And anything like that is just going to be more motivation to come out of this series on top. So, you know, you can listen to all the pundits and all the, the critics and, and whatnot saying that maybe the Capitals are going to take this series. And, uh, you know, the, the predictions probably haven't even come out yet, but they will. <laughs> and most of them are probably going to pick the Caps. Uh, I mean, it's a fair prediction. I mean, on paper, the Caps are obviously the better team, um, you know, as, as Rob was kind of alluding to and before. And certainly during the, during the season, you can't argue but with that. But I think one thing that's going to be really interesting in, in this series is going to be the impact of Ilya Samsonov not being there and Brandon, Brandon Holpe being sure. the starter in that for the sure. uh, Washington Capitals. That's going to be very, very fascinating to see how that plays out because obviously, again, the round robins are, are such a weird thing to uh, to kind of break down. It's hard to say, but, you know, he, he was letting a couple in, so we'll, we'll see what happens. We will. But, folks, we want to thank you for hanging with us here at Hockey Night New York. Remember, you can always tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look a little more in-depth at those games that the Islanders won over the course of this past week. And then we'll do a little preview between Christian and myself looking at the Islanders versus the Capitals. So thanks for sticking with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters. The independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. 
Yes Men Outfitters. Stick to the system. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Just can't get enough of these sick beats you got for the uh, rejoiner, Shawnee. Jams are are important, Christian. Jams are important. You're right. And these these have been bangers. I'll give you a lot of credit. Appreciate that, buddy. You're listening to Christian Arnold and Sean Cuthbert here on... Hockey Night in New York. You can tune in every Sunday at 9 o'clock on uh, HockeyNightNY.com, of course. And your favorite podcast for us. I was getting that. Cut me off. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, proceed. Of course, the show is brought to to you by our friends over at Oyster Bay Brewing Company. They've been wonderful sponsors along with uh, Blue Line Deli and Bagel. We've been really excited to have them on board. And I know they're all excited to have playoff hockey continue for the New York Islanders. They will be playing the Washington Capitals in the first round, even though it feels like we've played 30 rounds already. I'm just <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's been, it's been a grind to, to even put it lightly. I mean, you look at the number of games the Islanders have played the number of days that they've been, it's just, it's been a grind in the postseason for them. And, now that we're only starting the first round is almost seems overwhelming. Yeah, and it's and it's weird to even call this the first round, right? After yeah. the qualifying round, yeah. like the the whole confusing thing. Like it's the playoffs, it's not the playoffs, well, well it's the postseason. The league couldn't even the really figure count. it out. Yeah, they couldn't figure out until almost the last minute it felt like. Yeah, no, a lot of this was on a whim, man. It really <laughs> feels that way. And and that's fine. Which, you know what, makes me feel a lot better about my life, which is always on a whim. So knowing <laughs> yeah. that a major uh sports entity is just like, yeah, we'll put this together as we go along we'll figure look it out. none of us knew that they were even going to be able to pull this off yeah. so we're here it's happening <laughs> you know you know what when, when it comes to the whether the points count for the playoffs or not and, and all that it, yeah. yeah who cares they're playing hockey there's going to be a stanley cup winner the islanders are involved what's better than that it's summertime it's august you know and and we're, everything's we're, crazy everything is wild but we're getting hockey and and that's huge i mean you look at what's going on in some of the other professional sports here and you know, baseball and whatever else is going on. And clearly, the, the, the NHL has, has set an example here. NHL, NBA, Major League Soccer, I mean, they've all really, they've been they've been the the leaders in all of this. I mean, give credit to Major League Soccer and, and, and the uh, Women's Soccer League as well. They were the first to come back as far as professional sports go, and they proved that the bubble theory works. You put these guys and you isolate them for a little bit of time and you get them up to one place and... It works, and we've gotten to a point where the Islanders are now facing the Washington Capitals in the first round. And like I was talking about before, I think one of the most fascinating parts of the series is going to be the goaltending matchup because it's the one point um, of emphasis where the Islanders, I think, have a real advantage over the Washington Capitals. You look at the goaltending. You look at Semyon Varlamov and, Bra- and Brandon Holpe. Brandon Holpe. I think Varlamov is is the better of the two goaltenders, and he's certainly proven that during the fir- the qualifying round. I'm about to say first round, the qualifying <laughs> round against the Panthers. Um, not just by obviously the the number of shots that he faced. He didn't face a lot, which helps that the Islanders have a healthy defense in front of him. But the fact that he moved so well, he made the big saves when he needed to. You saw some good lateral movement out of Varlamov, and the one thing that Barry Trotz talked about a lot going into the postseason. Um, is the fact that he, the, when it comes to goaltenders, he really wants to see how guys track the puck. And Varlamov tracked the puck really well, for the most part, during the series against the Panthers. You know, 
I'm a little surprised that that you're saying that Varlamov is the better keeper here between the two. And that's not to take any credit away from him. I like what he's done for the Islanders, particularly in this last series. I thought he looked great against the Panthers. But Hopi is no slouch. And even though Samsonov has taken some of his minutes away in more recent history, Braden Hopi has been one of the better goalies in this league for, for a while now. Well-respected. He obviously led that team to a Stanley Cup not too long ago. So... I mean, as as a as an Islander guy, hearing you hearing you say Varlamov is the better match there, great. I love it. I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's such a big advantage though for the Islanders. I mean, I you know if I, if you're gonna look down the the assets of these teams and see you know who has the pros and cons and who's got the advantage. I mean, for me, I look at the goaltending as a little more of a wash there. It's not something that I'm gonna I think is gonna be what determines this series. You know what? It, it's not even that it's it's going to be a, a the biggest determining factor, but I think it's going to play a factor. Yeah. Um, you look back, and I, I know we're talking four years now, but you, or five years at this point, but you remember the Capitals-Islanders series of 2015. Those, sure. Those were hard-hitting series, and it, it did come down to goaltending, especially in that last game in the Game 7. Um so well, I mean, Halak was fantastic in that series. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I it's, wouldn't it's, say that Holpe outplayed Halak at all. Sure, no, no, but I'm saying it's going to be a big factor. Then you add yeah. on to the fact that the Islanders have a healthy defensive core. Mostly, you know, Johnny Boychuk will be back out there. They have their biggest assets out there. I mean, when you saw the Islanders play the Washington Capitals the last couple games of the season, right. uh, the last couple meetings, I should say, the Islanders weren't at 100% strength. Now, the Capitals are going to be 100% strength as well. But still, you have the Islanders who who played the best teams in the National Hockey League, yeah. played them well when they're at full strength. So you add that to a goaltending matchup that might favor the Islanders in this instance, and I think that definitely bodes well for them and helps them, especially when you have a team that has a high-powered offense like the Washington Capitals. I mean, there's no secret that the Washington Capitals have some of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League, of course, led by number eight. Yeah, and it's kind of almost like it's going to be very similar to the Panthers series in that it's going to be the Isles D once again against a high-powered offense, right? But, like, it's almost like the next boss battle in the video game in the sense that they've upgraded, right? They they got a couple more tools in the shed. You went from Huberto and Barkov to Alexander Ovechkin and, um, you know, a lot of talented guys on Kuznetsov, that yeah. Backstrom, right? You know, the list goes on. And now with a healthy Carlson who had a tremendous year for the Capitals. So, yeah, the, 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 the order gets taller. And, look, the island, here's, here's going to be the difference, right? As, as Rob Simpson said, and we've, we've alluded to too, is that the Islanders more or less dominated that series against the Panthers, right? Especially five on five. It was the Islanders series, right? right? We're, I don't think we're going to be seeing any domination from the Islanders in this series. Will they perhaps dominate in spurts? Will they have some you know parts of that series where they, where they look better than the Caps do? Sure, I expect that, absolutely. But at the same time... I don't if if the Islanders come away winning this series, I don't think we're going to be looking back and saying, you know what, those four wins that they had, they just dominated. It's going to be a battle. It's no. going to be back and forth. The the Caps are better defensively. I think again, I think Holpe's going to be solid in, in between the pipes, and it's going to be a much bigger grind for the Islanders to to come out victorious here. And I think it kind of it goes back to that next boss theory that you just mentioned. Because you're not going to win. There's, I don't think there's even an expectation that you're going to win these games by just dominating the Washington Capitals. It's going to be 
a back and forth battle, and there's no secret about that. And I think there's this is going to be a much more, it's going to be a much more physical series. Yes. Um. And I think you now look at the, look at the roster and go, all right, who's in and who's out at this point? I mean, again, we're looking at that one spot on the third line wing where do yeah. you maybe put a Ross Johnson in? Uh, in that slot now and give him a little more playing time because the the Washington Capitals are a much more physical team. They obviously have a guy like Tom Wilson, and, yeah. and Barry Trotz thinks that Ross Johnson is a, is a Tom Wilson in the making. So do you want to put a guy like that in just to up some of the physicality that you can have? Because obviously you look at some of the other guys on the Islanders roster, and they're not necessarily physical players outside of the you know bottom six guys, really. Well, I'm going to ask you to answer your own question. Game one, do you dress Ross Johnson in that left wing spot in the third line? I don't think you do it game one. Okay, and I think I think you can kind of get away with with you know ex- leaving the roster you have in or some facsimile of it that you had in the Florida Panther series and giving it a shot in game one and seeing if that style, the way you played in against the Florida Panthers, will be able to translate to that first game against the Washington Capitals, or if you're going to have to kind of rearrange your game plan a little bit. Because unlike the five-game series, the seven-game series, you have a little bit more time. And I don't want to say there's room for error. Sure. But you do have time to make adjustments, and you're not just going, all right, we're down one, one nothing, we're down 2-1, um, anything like that, because then those decisions have to be made on the fly because the next game could be your last. Here, you have a couple games. Again, I don't like to use the word wiggle room, but you have that time to kind of, to make those adjustments and game plan um, after you get to see how the Capitals come out, come out against you in game one. Yeah, and I suppose that's why you might have seen Ross Johnson dressing yeah. in that game against the Rangers because maybe Trotz kind of has him in his back pocket and he wants him to get some reps here and, and make sure that he's going to be ready if and when he needs to tap him on the shoulder and say, get out there because we got a tough battle here with the Washington Capitals or whomever, even Boston. You know, you, you probably ask the same question. Yeah. They're another tough, big and team. I think that's a tougher team when it comes to physicality. I think yeah. the Boston Bruins, they'll knock you around and, and then some. So that, I think, would have been even more of a question. I think the Capitals still give you a bit of an opportunity to play a little bit more of the style that they played against the Florida Panthers. They're, they're a tough team, don't get me wrong, but they're not going around just flinging their bodies around like the Boston Bruins do. I mean, those guys will... Like I said, they will hit you and then hit you again while you're still down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Look, it's I'm excited. I'm glad that the the Islanders drew the Capitals. Not only because I think they got a better chance. I think the Boston matchup is is not good. I hope somebody else takes care of them, whether it's the Canes or or otherwise. But also the storyline. I love the fact that Barry Trotz now is going to be you know lining up here against the 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 team that he won the Cup with a couple of years ago. And there's a little bit of history now. Well, there's a long history between these two teams if you really want to go back. Right. But more recent history, you have that series where they go seven games, and and that really could have gone either way. And I think game two ended up kind of being the the deciding factor in that series if you want to, you know, (laughs) harken back to that. Well, if you want to bring it a a little closer more recently, too, you look at the regular season series between the Islanders and Caps. That January 18th game, that loss at Nassau Coliseum, Mm. that was the Islanders' worst loss of the regular season, in my opinion, because that was a game that they were on the cusp of winning, I think that really would have changed the course of the second half of the season. 
And it would have been such a major victory over a dominant uh, divisional rival. Right. That the fact that they were up 4-1 in the third period. Devontae's does the Kuznetsov yes, I was uh, just goal bring that celebration. Up. The bird or whatever he does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the Capitals come out in the third period and they score as many goals as they do. I think it was five goals in the last uh, in that last 20 minutes to not only beat the New York Islanders in regulation 6-4, but Ovechkin moves up on the all-time goals list in that same game by scoring a couple there as well. So it was just a morally defeating uh, loss for the Islanders yeah. on so many levels. <laughs> and it certainly changed Devon Taves long term. <laughs> yes. And I, you know what? The, that's one of the, of the worst things to come out of that game because – I loved the fact that Devontae's did that. And I think yeah. hockey needs more of that. And I yeah. and not to go off on just... a not to go off on a rant here, but the fact that he he did it and then the Caps, you know, they responded and they I'm sure they didn't they didn't take lightly to the fact that he did that. But yeah. we, we need more of that in hockey. We need more guys just going out and just giving a nice little uh middle finger to, to sure. the team to make it a little more lively. That Answer was the drama. great. And you know what? In fairness, if other teams don't like it, then go out and do what the Capitals did sure. and, and score. And speaking of third periods and middle fingers, for anybody listening <laughs> live right now, the Columbus Blue Jackets are currently up one nothing on the Maple Leafs with just about 18 minutes to go in the third. So if they hang on, there might be a lot of Islander fans uh, happy with the, with the result there. Uh, I mean, you know, it's at this point... John Tavares has earned the right to do whatever he wants. I, mean, I think it's it's a little bit of a blown out narrative, even even, <laughs> even before. Uh, you, know. you know what? It's not even just that. It's uh, it's Tucker. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> there's just you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but there's been and, and we're going off on a tangent here, but I think we it's are. fun. But the you look at the Islander Ranger rivalry. Not a lot's been going on there lately. And for me personally, again, personally, I don't know how it is for everybody else, but I have more of a, uh, for a lack of better words, hatred strong, but hatred for a team like the Leafs right now than I do the Rangers just because of more recent history and what's gone on, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean. And it's I, fun. It's just fun. I like I like putting the, the Leafs down. I don't care in the grand scheme. It doesn't matter. I'm right. not losing sleep at night anymore <laughs> or at all over the fact that John Tavares didn't resign. But it's still fun. To watch them lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've made my my feelings and yeah. uh, whatnot pretty well known about over the last couple of years about John Tavares' departure and, and fans' reaction to him, so I'm just not going to go down that road. Sure. But, um, you know, whatever the case, it, it, it will be a surprising result. I think there's been plenty of surprising results in the postseason so far. Oh, yeah. Especially. Look at Chicago, Montreal. Yeah, exactly. And Bananas. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and I think that you look back at now that what you have in the first round, you have the Islanders and the Capitals going at it. And, look, I get it. Barry Trotz and, um, is not going to want to really dredge up this Trotz versus old team revenge storyline, but it's going to be there. I mean, of there's course. no doubt it. No You're going to ask Barry Trotz about that. And of course... Somebody sitting next to you virtually will be. I know I, someone asked about it today, there actually. You go. And I think it, it makes it even better because you look back two years ago when Barry Trotz visited the Capitals locker room when they made their first trip to New York at Barclays Center yeah. in November, I think it was. And, you know, he's saying, I, I think you guys can repeat, but you have to go through the expletive island. Now the Capitals right. literally have to go through the New York Islanders <laughs> yeah. to get to the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, the next round and of the Stanley Cup it. playoffs. And I think that's such a great storyline, and it does justice so well to what the NHL is trying to do here as a whole. I think that's Absolutely. something for the league to try and market. And again, I know the players and I know the coaches don't necessarily love that 
um, aspect. And it's unfortunate because I think it drives so much of people's interest when it comes to the sports sport, in this case, hockey. Um, but you look at basketball, they do it so well. You look at baseball, they've done it so well. Football obviously does it so well. Um, I think that's a great storyline and it's just a great series. It's, you know, two big markets. I get it. The Islanders are long Island technically, and it's not, they're almost like a, a small market team in a big market, but two big markets going at it. Um, and, and a, what should be a really great series, a really fun series, and, and so many storylines to talk about. Not just, obviously, the Barry Trotz thing, but obviously the Islanders' much more recent history with the Washington Capitals. Obviously the 2015 playoff series, the 2019-2020 regular season. Um, you know, if you really want to dig all the way back, go all the way back to the Easter epic and, you know, some of those battles from the, from the 80s between the 93, Capitals and 93, Dale Hunter and Terjean. Exactly. Hunter. Exactly. So there is plenty of history between these two organizations that just make this so much fun, and hopefully it'll be a just another chapter in that. Yeah, without question. And and we, we got a little away from it just because there's so much content to cover here, but we'd be a little remiss not to just kind of touch on some of the highlights from the series with the Panthers. I mean, obviously we covered the fact that they won and whatnot, but I did want to talk about the fact that, you know, they took it in four games, but I think... I think this game, this series would have been a sweep if not. And look, everybody makes mental mistakes. We touched on the the, the mental errors that happened. You had a you had a puck over the glass. You had a too many men, and then you had Varlamov at the start of the third period in Game Three. And I, I gotta say, Christian, if that didn't happen, because the remember the Islanders tied that game one one with Pajot with that great goal off the great effort from Anthony Beauvillier, and we're gonna talk more about him in a little while. But they tie that game, and I gotta say. If that didn't happen in the beginning of the third period of Arley, I think they win that game and they sweep the series. Yeah, yeah, there's a good chance they do it. Um, it was a, it was a tough game for them because, I, I, again, it really it came down to special teams. And honestly, it's going to come down to special teams too when you look, go, look going forward at this next series. I mean, yeah. the Washington Capitals are a known uh, threat when it comes to having the man advantage, but so are the Florida Panthers. And really, the Islanders just kind of dug themselves a hole in that game three and they just couldn't dig themselves out of it when it came to the number of penalties that they gave uh, up to the to the Florida Panthers. And it, it was silly penalties. I mean, playing the puck outside of the trapezoid is kind of goaltender 101 at this point. You just don't do that. <laughs> right. And so for yeah. Varlamov to make that mistake in that situation, we're talking it was early in the third timing. period, yeah. and you give him that opportunity, that's a tough spot to be in. That's yeah. a tough spot to kind of come back, bounce back from because it really was in that game – the Florida Panthers playing well for the first three minutes of that third period, and that's what the difference. Well, was. look, I mean, they capitalize on the power play. Hoffman gets the power play goal, and then again, Brian as Boyle you said. gets the the right the three one. Yeah, and the wheels fall off. Yeah. And again, if that penalty doesn't happen, the Islanders have the momentum. They're ready to play Islander third period hockey. I think they end up kind of just grinding the Panthers down until they get that winning goal, and they probably take it. Look, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe the fact that they got that fourth game in is good. <laughs> Keeps them a little more fresh yeah. for the series well, against the Capitals. Thankfully, nobody goes down with an injury. Well, one of the interesting things, too, is now you have this little bit of break. It won't be as long as last year, but right. it was something that came up uh, during the day off on Saturday, and that was the break be- uh, between last year's sweep of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the start of the Carolina Hurricanes yeah. series. And yeah. so there was some interest in just how – 
the break impacts and if there was any any sure. lessons learned. But really, it's such a different different story than the than last year. Yeah, than this and year. and just from a personal standpoint, I don't think that had anything to do with the fact that the Islanders got swept by the Canes in that series. I think, don't think that break had anything to do with it. That's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's look, it's a ten day break. It was a ten day break because if they had won the series, they'd be like, oh, the break did them well. Right, right. But it's always it's always however the narrative goes. But I think for the most part, I think the Islanders always benefited from having the um, games pretty close together. I mean, you yeah. look at game three and four, it was so beneficial to the fact that they just were able to get back on the ice and kind of forget what happened in game three. And I think you just saw them go out there and they did what they had to do and they, they took care of business and they got back to the style they needed to do. Yeah, and one other thing I just wanted to point out from that series. Nope, you don't get any more. Oh. All right, well, this show's been great. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, folks. The, fine. What's the one thing you wanted to point Well, out we obviously we had Rob touch on Anders Lee, and Everly potted himself a couple of goals in game two. But there was talk from us, and you know, throughout the week, just saying, hey, the first line's kind of, they got to get going here. And Matt Barzell finally shows up on the score sheet in, yes. in game four, and well-timed. He gets that breakaway goal, but he also has that beautiful assist on Bavillier's second goal, which ends up being the winner in Game 4. And that's huge, especially considering this is the last game going into this first-round series against the Capitals. And it looks like Barzell may have finally shown up offensively. I think he's been doing the work during that series. He made some good defensive plays. I wouldn't say he was a liability out there, but certainly your number one guy, your star... Everybody kind of wanted to see more out of him, and, and thankfully the depth of that team of the forwards were able to kind of pick up where he kind of wasn't producing. But I think it's a very positive sign that we saw the Matt Barzell we were hoping to see in that last game. And it, it comes at such a crucial time, too. The Capitals series is going to be even more so um, impactful by the, it will be impacted by that top line when it comes to Eberle, Lee, and Matt Barzell. So the fact that they are starting to get going, Everly get, getting going in the last couple games, you know, games three and game four, uh, Barzell really getting going offensively. I think you're right when you say he wasn't a liability, but I would go even a, stre- a stretch further and say that he is, his two-way game was, was pretty good during no, the was. entire series. Yeah, yeah. And he I think that's, back checks. Yeah. that's a, a win in itself because if you can have a guy who can be an offensive threat on your top line as well as being that, that guy that can get back and make the defensive play, that's huge too, especially for Matt Barzo, who didn't really do that a lot early in his career. And Barry Trotz highlighted that. He said mm-hmm. everybody was bought in. There was no me. Yes. It was we. So... I, I, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that was <laughs> even more indicative by the Ryan Pulak play in the second period of yes. Game 4. Yes, The diving desperation effort, and I think that really encapsulates that Barry Trotz mentality. I didn't mean to cut you off. There, no, it's it was fine. a perfect point to kind of point that play Oh, out. it was. It was. And I guess to just wrap up, uh, you know, any more positive points to take out of that series, the new guy, J.G. Pajot. We, we said a lot of good things about him last week, but that's only after one game. He has a great series in these four games, and again, the question of did they give up too much, you know, you talk about the draft picks and the, and the contract they signed him to. This, this is how Pajot was billed. You know, playoff performer, fa- face-off winner. Up to that. He has lived up to it in spades, and ho- obviously we hope that that continues throughout the re- remainder of the playoffs, however deep they go, but you have to be happy with what you saw out of him and, and, and maybe feel a little bit better what, about what they gave up to get him. And I think that the love affair with the Islander with Islander fans and, and Pajot is just going to continue. You look at some of the off ice stuff. Obviously, he goes and he wins <laughs> yes. the ping pong tournament. 
um, yeah, on, good stuff. on Saturday, and it was really funny. And, and like I tweeted, out, it was just a bunch of dudes being dudes out there, and yes. it was it was fun to see. And I think that he's really bought into the Islander mentality. He's bought into the Islander philosophy, and that goes such a long way and endears you with Islander fans, obviously. Because right. of what's happened in the past, and yeah. we were talking about it before. Yeah, um, he's a guy that's really bought in, and he's he's seen what the Islanders can do when they're successful, and he's seen. I, I think the benefit of just going in and, and embracing whatever is is that encapsulates the Islanders and that mentality, and um, it's paying dividends on the ice, and I think it's really brought that team closer together because you look at kind of the stuff that's going on inside the bubble. And it's really just, um, it's it's funny to see because it's such a, an interesting, charismatic group of guys just hanging out for like a month on end now uh, and yeah. just having a great time. And, and I think it's leading to a lot of success on the ice. Yeah, I mean, all in all, just a lot of positive things to take, at, take out of this first qualifying round against the Florida Panthers, especially with all the question marks going in. And I think it's it's very encouraging for, for what may come here in the in the first round series against the Capitals. But I think with that, Christian, it's probably time for our Hero of the Week, if I do say so myself. So, folks, when you hear this song, that means it is time for the Hockey Night in New York Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week. This week's great beer is the Oyster Bay Summer Peach Wheat Ale. It's summertime. We're in August. Bring some down to the beach. Have yourself a great time. Delicious. I've had it myself. It is great stuff. So, folks, here we go. Hockey Night New York Hero of the Week. Christian went first last time. I'm going to go first this time, but I have a feeling that there's not going to be much disagreement because there is one man on this team who won the honors last week, and I, I don't know how you don't give it to him again, and that's Anthony Bavillier. I mean, I, I said, I tweeted it, you know, during these games that were going on. This is Beauvillier's coming out party. You have to remember, guys, what, he's only 23 years old? He came into the league, didn't go back down to juniors, and there's <laughs> he's got so much hockey left, so it's something to be very excited about where you see him kind of come into his own in this qualifying round series against the Florida Panthers. He, he leads the team with five points, and without question, he was the MVP of this series. He leads the charge here. Three goals, two assists, plus one. Two power play points, one power play goal, two game winners. What more is there to say about Anthony Beauvillier? He is my hero of the week. Yeah, it's really hard to not pick Anthony Beauvillier. So I will do it again for the second consecutive week now. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Beauvillier is my hero of the week for a lot of the reasons Sean mentioned. And, I mean, you just look at the impact he's had. And I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's it's so crucial to kind of reiterate just how much of an X factor he was in that series against the Florida Panthers. I mean, he was doing everything and anything you could imagine, you know. He was a goal scorer. He made uh, some smart plays in his own end. He was a solid player the entire time. And you just look at the way he's come out. And I think, too, part of that has has kind of come from the mentality that he's been playing with. And I'm sure everyone has seen at this point the question that I asked Anthony uh, the day they won that game and about him writing have fun on his stick. (laughs) And uh, Matt Barzal obviously got a real good kick out of that question because he was uh, giggling off on the side there. Right. But you look at the mentality that he's, he's he has, and he's writing that on his stick, and you look at the way he's playing. I think there is a real correlation between Beauvillier just going out there, and, and, and hey, he's been super consistent now. You're seeing that consistency, which you just didn't see earlier in the year and at different points in the last couple of years as well. But you're seeing him now, and I think 
part of it. It's just he's going out there and he, he's having fun. Like, every shift he's out there, he looks like he's having fun. And I think that's getting back to that basic mentality for Beauville has really gone a long way in how successful he's been in the last couple, in the in the series. Even towards the end of the regular season, he started to figure things out and get back to where he, he wanted to be. So, I, you know, he didn't really say that that's the mentality he goes out with, but you look on his face and you see the enjoyment that he's having. You see the success that he's having. He's also got two great uh, partners in Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. Uh, Brock Nelson obviously had, was phenomenal in the series as well, but Bailey, I think, kind of goes undetected as the playmaker yes. on that group. Four assists. He is point per game. He has been that way for as long as I can remember. I can remember talking to John Tavares a couple of years ago when they were yeah. when he was playing with number ninety one on the top line, and and Tavares always said that Bailey was a great playmaker, and it's something people don't realize. And you look at the numbers that he had, he, where he was drafted, kind of indicates right. that he should have been a goal scorer. But he is a great playmaker, and I think that Brock Nelson and Anthony Bovilla have really benefited from having them having him on their line as well. Yeah, and he, you know, he was a li- like you said, he was a little quieter this series in the sense that look, there was no game one overtime winning right. goal, right? Right, where Bailey's front and center, but and and you know what, there were some spots where I saw some vintage Josh Bailey making an extra pass here, an extra pass there, but at the end of the day. I thought he had a very solid series again, the four assists, but also something that you hear his his fellow players and and even coaches talk about is just how smart he is, his yes. hockey IQ. And you know, look, you're watching the games as a fan, and maybe you're not always seeing or taking notice of the things he's doing out there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, when you hear his his colleagues kind of <laughs> take no taking note of that and and saying you know just kind of no noticing those nuances and those those little plays that maybe again just a, an observer's not looking at but somebody who's sharing the ice with him and saying man he just you know that that play on the boards that he made or that pass or that hesitation or whatever it was I mean those are the little things that you don't always get accolades for but consistently time and time again throughout the years it's something you always hear about Josh Bailey and whether you're a lover or a hater he's he's been a divisive player on this team for, for a long time now. And I think that's kind of come to an end. I think people have really started to come around to, on Josh. Oh, Bailey. yeah, he's he's getting more credit these days than yeah. he used to, for sure. But for sure, you're you're right in the sense that sometimes those little plays just go unnoticed. And I think getting back to the whole point of this is that that's really been a huge benefit, too, to an Anthony, Anthony Beauvillier, to have a guy like that, a veteran player yeah. who can make those plays on the wing. Uh, with him, that's a huge benefit for him. So I, yeah. he, I think all of that kind of it, it kind of goes together and creates the Anthony Bovillia we've seen in the postseason, where he's just going out and he's playing with confidence and he's having fun and he's he's coming up in those big moments. And we saw shades of that the last couple of years, especially last year. He had a couple of big goals, especially at Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. Um. This now you're seeing it more consistently, and you're seeing it where. There's no question anytime Anthony Beauvillier is out on the ice that something is going to happen and something good is going to happen yeah. because he's making the smart plays. He's making he's creating chances. Him and his, his offensive partners are creating those chances that are, if they're not scoring, at least they're giving the Islanders some sense of uh, extended zone time in the offensive zone. And he's having fun out there. And he's having fun. He's having fun. Having a lot of fun. So, Christian, before we wrap up, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you for one— Wow, you distracted me because the, the Blue Jackets just went up to nothing. I think is that yeah. way. <laughs> so first off, I want your prediction for the series uh, against the Capitals, and I want your X factor for the Islanders for this series. All right, all right, I can do that for the series prediction. I will say that the Islanders will win in seven games. All right, I'll give them a seven game uh, 
seven games here. It'll be a hard-fought battle, um, and there's going to be a lot of... Uh, a lot of a lot of interesting tidbits that are going to happen during the seven game series, but I think the the, the Islanders are going to come out victorious. And um, kind of what I was saying before, I think you mix in the fact that the Islanders, I think, have the edge in goaltending here, and mixed with the fact that you have a strong defensive unit that should be fully healthy. Yeah. Uh, minus maybe you miss out on on Johnny Johnny Boychuk, but then you have Andy Green, who has been absolutely solid, uh, filling in for the guy. So. That is something that I think contributes to how successful the Islanders are going to be. And I think you start to see Barzal and Eberle really get going and Lee becoming that factor where he's the guy who's going in front of the net and, and creating those opportunities down low uh, and giving some of those guys some more freedom to, to open up a little bit. Uh, when it comes to the X, X factor, yeah. it's an interesting question because I think that it comes down to... For the Islanders, it's going to come down to the special teams game. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that they they figure out how to play five I and like five, it. and they figure out how to play well in five and five. It's going to come down to making sure you stay out of the box. It's going to come down to making sure that when you give the Washington Capitals Prevention that goals, yeah, yeah. well, basically, it's don't let Alexander <laughs> Ovechkin sit in the left faceoff circle, like Mike Hoffman, entire, yeah, yeah, the entire two minutes of the power play, and you should be all right. Like, don't give him that opportunity because for whatever reason, Alexander Ovechkin's. Uh, play on the power play is not changed in the uh, forever how long he's been in the league. Like I yeah. remember watching it when I was. But you like can't 10. just throw three guys on him because they pass somebody That's else right. and, and then they put the puck in. Yeah. So it's it's yes you can say that in practice, but at the same time you still have to give the rest of the team respect. It just it always amazes me. All of a sudden Alexander Ovechkin's kind of just floating, 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 and all of a sudden he lines up and boom, yeah, no. out of nowhere. Yeah, it's true. But I think that special teams is going to be the X factor too. You, when you talk about special teams, I got to talk about power play. The Islanders, I gotta, like it. Islanders got to convert on the on the power play on the man advantage. They didn't do a lot of it this series when they played the uh, the Panthers, but when they did, it was in the right spots. It was in those big moments that helped them a lot in those games. I like it. I like it. And and Christian and I did not discuss this before the show, but we happen to be in agreement. I also take the Islanders in seven. And again, I'm not. I think the the, the goaltending is a little more of a wash when it comes to Varlamov and Holpe, but I I really really like the Islanders system with a healthy squad. Getting Pelic in there and seeing what they did against the Panthers again, it's going to be tougher against the Caps. But I think that they can frustrate the Caps. They can lock them down. Uh, you're not going to have Thomas Hickey in there to go after Tom Wilson, even though he's got <laughs> right. such a huge chip on his shoulder for him. He's never forgiven him for what he did to Lubomir Viznovsky, and I love Hickey for that. If you remember, I mean, any game since then that Hickey's been in against the Caps, he's always going against Wilson. We're probably not going to see that, but maybe you get Johnson in there and he takes care of that. But I just think as a whole, you know, obviously the offense is, is in the in the Capitals' favor, but I. I it's just shown so encouraging to see what the Islanders did against the Panthers. Yes. They are playing exactly how you how you would expect them to play when they're on their game. And I think that that's going to go a long way here. They're focused. The camaraderie's there. You're seeing all the goofing around, uh, you know, off the ice. And I think just there's a lot of positive things to take care, take from everything that's going on right now, on and off the ice, like you said, Christian. So I like the Isles in seven. Maybe that's a little homerism. Maybe it's not. But that's how I'm going. And <laughs> Well, apparently there's both of us because we both made the same pick. I do want to yeah. add one thing, though. Please. When you look at this series... These are there's I don't ever foresee a game being a five one score in favor of the Islanders or the or the the Capitals for that matter because yeah. this is going to be a hard fought series where it's two one three two one nothing these are not going to be blowout games at all I don't think there's any chance we see one of those 
I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and you know what? Sad to say, folks, if there is any of those blowouts, I think the Caps have more of a chance than that the Islanders. But it probably. doesn't matter because the goals don't count for points or it wins in the series. It's just one game. So even if it happens, it doesn't matter. But my X factor for this series, I'm going to go with an individual, and I'm going to say Brock Nelson. And you, you see how, again, we talk about how the middle six guys kind of picked up the slack for, for where the first line wasn't producing in that series against the Panthers. And I'm not saying you're going to see the same thing. I think we, you obviously we need to see some, some production out of Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, and Matt Barzell. They're not going to win this series against the Caps if they don't. But you got Brock Nelson. His game is just... Been taken to another level since Barry Trotz came to this team, and I think having him as that second line pivot between Bavillier and, and and Bailey, I think he's going to have to have a big series here as well for the Islanders to succeed. So look out for Brock Nelson for me, and I think with that, Christian, we can wrap this up, huh? Yeah, I think we've hit everything we needed to. Well, folks, want to send a big thanks to Rob Simpson, the Toronto correspondent for National Hockey Now. A huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company for presenting the show tonight. They are the creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, stop over at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay for great libations and great times. And if you can't make it over, remember, you can order their great beers, brewery and Barn Rocker merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com. And if you use promo code H-N-I-N-Y you will get 15% off your order want to send a big thanks out to our sponsor Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington head on down there for some great food great service, great Islander fans great people, check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com and remember to check out the brand new sandwich, the Hockey Night in New York fantastic wrap ladies and gentlemen a little grilled chicken a little buffalo sauce a little mozzarella and a little avocado check it out you will not be disappointed so folks thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy the show i want to remind you to please rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast providers that helps us out tell your friends spread the word follow christian on twitter at c underscore arnold zero one follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your night and maybe enjoy a Columbus Blue Jackets win over the Leafs. There's about three minutes to go. We will see you next week. <laughs>